Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. Hey, this is Dan Hansis alongside Chris Wessling. Hey, Dan. Mark Sessler and the boss, Greg Rosenthal. We're the Around the NFL podcast. Check us out three times a week as we discuss the latest NFL news as it happens. Always, of course, with a touch of mirth. Subscribe at NFL.com slash podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. Fantasy Freaks and Geeks, what's up? James Kell here on the NFL Fantasy Live podcast on this beautiful Tuesday morning. Uh, boy, I, I feel like I feel like part of my family's back. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, we've got uh, the Wiz Kid from Wisconsin, Alex Gellhart. We've got uh, the beard, the magical beard of fantasy, uh, the franchise, Matt Franciscovich. And it's my guy. It's Matt Harmon. What's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, James? It's good to be here uh, in the studio again. It's really cold, um, so there's something to complain about, which is always nice because I, you know, it's it's good to have something to be a little miffed about in the morning. Uh, MG, my guy, Marcus Grant, not here. He is today. up in the Bay Area uh, for his mother's birthday. He took a one-day trip, flew up the coast to uh, be with his mother for his birthday. So happy birthday, uh, Mama Grant, and uh, we'll welcome Marcus back to the studio next that week. That is so sweet. I know. What a nice thing to do. Uh, what a good son. Makes me feel like a worse son over here right now. I but. would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my family's back on the other side of the country, so there's a 0.0% chance. Yeah, I would, uh, my flights back home are a little more expensive and a little longer than a quick trip uh, up to the Bay Area. My mom lives inland. She lives about 40 minutes away from me. I don't know if I would do that. All right, well, then you're wow. a jerk. Okay. But <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Uh, big show in front of us here today. We're going to be talking about uh, reacting to the top 50 fantasy players of 2016. That show uh, had a nice little nice little run this past week, right? It was, yeah, it was uh, last week. Last week, a uh, one-week special kind of NFL Fantasy Live presents the top 50 players of 2016. We had some, uh, I want to say, a couple high-level meetings about the rankings. Uh, there were a couple arguments, uh, as was per usual, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, overall pretty good show. Uh, we're going to get to our PPR mock draft that we did yesterday for you folks who are in PPR leagues and curious about uh, such results. But let us start with the top headlines. 
The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Whistles go. Woo! I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. I watch the news because I'm a kid. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife. All right, we'll start in New England. Tom Brady, thankfully. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hooray! <laughs> Tom Brady has given up his appeal. It will not be going to the Supreme Court. It never would have anyways. But well, it would have gone there, but they would have just given it the nah wave, and <laughs> that would have been the end of it. Right. So, Tom Brady, thankfully, uh, the Deflategate saga is now over. Uh, he will be serving his suspension as was per dished out originally so many months ago. God, it feels like forever ago that that decision came down. But It's uh, been like, what, 500 and some days since like the AFC, the 2014 AFC Championship yeah. game or something like that? I think the Around the NFL post had it. It's been an epic saga. I epic. lived in a different state. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure I could legally drink when that first happened. Oh, God. Uh, that that's, is, not, that's not accurate. That is fabulous. That is fabulous. Um, right, so the, the Flakegate saga is now over. We know exactly how much time Tom Brady is going to miss. Uh, what does it mean from a fantasy uh, perspective, gentlemen? Uh, well, I wrote this up when the suspension was first came back, and you know we did not know whether or not it was going to end. But I mean, it pushes Tom Brady back to a nice late round value in drafts. But you need to get a stopgap quarterback of some sorts. Jimmy Garoppolo games. Rather not do Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you could either stream the position or pick up a couple guys. There are a few guys that you could also nab really late. Um, as Fabiano did in our mock draft, that that have a pretty good schedule to start up. Kirk Cousins, Eli Manning, and Jay Cutler Boom. all have a couple of nice games against either the NFC East, the Detroit Lions, the New Orleans Saints. So they all have some nice matchups. You can mix and match from those guys. Um, and Marcus Mariota, too, gets to play, yeah. uh, play Detroit in one of those weeks. So there's a lot of options to get if you scoop up Brady late, grab one of these other guys late stream them off the waiver wire, and you'll be able to to cover yourself for those first four games. Where is he going, you think, in typical 10-teamers? I think right around that 10th round range where yep. Fabs took him. Yep, that's I would, where Fabs took him. I was Still a good that. draft price, round 10? I'm not doing it. I, I, yeah, like, doing I did it in a couple of best ball drafts because you are already kind of inherently going to take a second quarterback because you're not doing waivers or anything. Right. But it stinks to burn that roster spot for four weeks. That's a It's a real chore because you're going to be – I mean, you're going to be tempted to cut Brady – at least twice, <laughs> picking up some type of like you know hot waiver wire guy early in the season. Cause That's what it's I think. Hard too. to carry a backup quarterback, and, and right. not to mention just round ten in general is like right. such an awesome sleeper round. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah. mean? Like eight, nine, ten, eleven. I love picking sleepers in those rounds. I, I don't know. For me, um, I get it if you want to take Tom Brady there, and you know he's most likely going to be gone by round ten, but. I just can't do it. I mean, three, four games is a third of the fantasy regular season. I know. Yeah. So when he comes back, you are expecting him to go gangbusters. Yeah, you better hope he does. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, if you're holding a, a roster spot for a quarterback, right. for four weeks, you're thinking, okay, and it's really what it, it's a, it's actually five, isn't it? Well, they have their bye week five, I think, oh, and then he comes back in week six in against week the six? Browns. Wow. I, I might be mistaken. Let's check that out quick. I don't so know. I believe halfway. I believe you are right about that. But yeah, and like so to that point though, if that's crazy, what yeah. if he what if he comes back and he's just a tick off of you know like what we're expecting from normal Tom Brady? Not to mention last four weeks of the season. 
18 fantasy points, 18 fantasy points, 11 fantasy points, 5.26 fantasy points. Oh! What if he? What if he's that guy closer to that than when he was early in the season? I don't know. There's all the angry Brady narratives. And <laughs> let's not even that. let's not even bother addressing Get him that. Out. Get him he out. got that out of the system uh, last year, though. Right? How much? I mean, how much can one person be angry? Right. Eventually, <laughs> you have to settle down. Right. So I was always mistaken. Their bye week is in November, but oh but God. still, that means you're without him for that week as well oh in the regular God. season because it comes early enough where he you'll see basically without your starting quarterback that you're investing that 10th round pick in for, for a third weeks. for a third of the year it's like of the, the fantasy season there is there is value there I just I don't see myself doing it in a ton of leagues just for that because there are yeah. so many other great quarterbacks that you yeah, can get after Brady yeah. or even around that same value like Carson Palmer went in that range fabs in our draft took Eli Manning two rounds later to back him up I got Philip Rivers there. Yeah, you got Derek Carr. Tyrod didn't even get drafted. Tony Romo was there. Kurt Cousins. Kurt Cousins. Like, there's just there's so I'm. Gonna, I don't think Blake Bortles got drafted in our league. No, you're right. Wow, he didn't. He didn't. That's that's wow. That's that's what I'm saying. That is yeah. a shocker. That's well, what I'm saying. Rank also didn't take a quarterback. So. Yeah, freaking Rank. <laughs> nice. I didn't even notice that. That's a that's. I love that move. That's that's beautiful. <laughs> he wrote about it in his draft strategy, which well, sure, uh, I'm not teaser you guys can read at uh, NFL.com/slash/fantasy-mock-draft. Uh, we have the whole draft breakdown, team by team analysis. But Rank said he pointed out he's like I'm not I'm not gonna dra- I didn't draft a quarterback. He's like I'd pick up one of these guys right away and stream him off the waiver wire. So, that, but yeah, I guess the point is you can definitely invest in Tom Brady if you want to, but you're, you're taking a big risk. I feel like we buried the lead though, because the big fantasy news yesterday, I think no doubt about it, Arian Foster signing with Miami. Yep. Um, and there was a collective groan from anyone who has, you know, either hyped or, or already bought shares of Jay Ajayi. Um, we're, we're going to see another running back by committee situation there. In Miami, and it's like, how many running back committees can there possibly be in the NFL? We have another one here in Miami. I mean, I think all of them. There are could be, be 32. Yeah. yeah. 32. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. So I wrote up the Arian Foster post yesterday after he signed. Yeah. And I really think we've got to be a little bit careful with this situation. You know, not even, I mean, the injury thing all in and of itself is, is one issue. But right. When Foster came back last year, you know, we're used to him being a dominant fantasy back. His 119 yards from scrimmage is the highest per game figure since 2010. We're used to him being that player, but he averaged 2.6 yards per carry last year. That was by far the worst of any of those backs that Houston was trotting out. Um, so he might not be able to ha- like be able to hold up to first and second down work uh, anymore at this point of his career, but. I think where he will be very valuable is as a receiver. Um, Pro Football Focus credited him with uh, 7.6 yards after the catch per catch. So, I mean, that's a pretty good indication of his ability out in space. I think he'll still be a really helpful asset there, but I don't think we can just just expect him to come and usurp all of the touches and make Jay Ajayi completely irrelevant. Oh, I don't don't think anyone – Here's the thing. I don't know if anyone is investing a even a middle-round draft pick in Arian Foster. I just think that it absolutely plummets Jay Ajayi's value. I don't know if it plummets, though. Uh, and I know he was in your must-own running backs piece. He franchise. was. I, I dropped him a tier in my rankings. After the Foster news? Yeah, I dropped him from 16 in Tier 4 to 23 in Tier 5. I mean, I, I called him a middle-round RB1 
in my must-own running backs, and now you're kind of you're backing off of that. Yeah, now I'm backing off of that. <laughs> you're that, was, off of that. that was based on look, like who else do they have? J- they're gonna make Jai their third-down guy too, so he's gonna play all three downs. And Adam Gase came out and said uh, something along the lines of, you know, we don't want to ro- have a running back rotation. So I kind of based my analysis off quote coaches coach speak like that, which was a mistake. Right. Obviously. Of course. But I mean, they don't have a lot of depth as it is. So they got Foster from. I don't know. Is that true? Depth. I mean, they they spent a pretty good uh, high round draft pick on Kenyon Drake. Right. Uh, he hasn't really practiced, practiced yet this offseason. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he he fills that third down role. Uh, you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, My question is, too, and I was talking about this with Franchise yesterday, is with that coach speak, maybe that is exactly what Adam Gase means, and it's not going to be, all right, Ajayi, you get two downs. Foster, you get third down. Right. That it's going to be, Ajayi, these are your two series. We're going to spell you. Foster, you come in for a series. Right. And he doesn't run as much, but he's still dangerous out of the backfield. So, uh, I, I don't know. It's coach speak. It's July. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm with I'm with you guys. I definitely am dropping Ajayi down a tier. He went with him sitting at that like RB two tier right in there. You were kind of hoping that he'd get some passing work, but now with Foster's arrival and Drake already there, as you mentioned, his reception and receiving work ceiling is is frighteningly low. So All he, right. he becomes more in the Jeremy Hill vein where he's could just be a two down guy. Can I can I throw this out there though? We have been talking about all off season, Jeremy Lankford. This, that, and this other thing. Is this not the exact same situation for Jay Ajayi? They brought in C.J. Anderson. They tried to, you know, work him out. Um, then they actually go and work out and sign Arian Foster. All the tea leaves are there that the coaching staff maybe doesn't like Jay Ajayi. And, and keep in mind, this is a new coaching staff. They didn't draft Jay Ajayi, right? So, like, for me, I, I think all the warning signs are there that, hey, you know what, maybe they, they're not very high on Ajayi, that they're going to go full-blown committee here. And that's why I'm saying, for me, we've been hammering Jeremy Langford, hammering him uh, this offseason because of the whole committee thing. And I don't feel like we're doing that because Jay Ajayi is this huge unknown in Miami. And for me, I just think the tea leaves are there. I, I just don't believe in it. I mean, I think it's all about price with any, with any of these running backs that are going to kind of get absolutely by default. Absolutely. And thanks to Mike Clay from ESPN for essentially slaughtering Jeremy Langford's name <laughs> in the streets of fantasy Twitter. Dude, he was he was like that helicopter with the big bucket of water that they on a forest fire. Like the the Langford love was starting to heat up, and he okay. was that helicopter just dumped he, water all over it. He even has in his Twitter bio, "It's not personal, Jeremy Langford." <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you get associated with like really loving a player. Other times you get associated with a really hating player. But because of, of guys like Mike Clay, and I know you guys have talked about on the podcast all offseason, Blankford's price is pretty depressed. You can start to get him in like the seventh, eighth round range in some of these drafts. That's much better and than I'm, what it was. Yeah, I'm totally fine. Like we know he has, whether you think he stinks or not, whatever, you know he has big game potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Carlos Williams suspended four games. Jonathan Williams in Buffalo, uh, DUI. I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, right now, it's LaShawn McCoy, LaShawn McCoy, LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. You would think Mike Gillisley steps in they and does some third down work as well. They sent an offer sheet to Reggie Bush, did they not? Oh, yesterday? that's right. No, yeah, that's, that's right. When you know you're desperate. 
Oh, That's right. Man. So I think all the all these things that have happened in this backfield have really helped Shady McCoy though. Yes. Like he he you know, he was getting a ton of touches last year oh, yeah. and he just lost oh, some yeah. work at, around the goal line to Tyrod and in the red zone to Carlos. What did he have Williams. last year? Two touchdowns? Uh two or three, I think. Not good. But with these with these guys out of the picture now, they it's a ground and pound offense that Rex Ryan always employs and with not as many stable options right behind Shady, he could see a ton of work early on and it's becoming a little bit more of a value at his like third round price tag so far this offseason. It makes me love Mike Gillisley a lot more. Um I, I get that he's, you know, supposed to fill that third down role, but look, Shady McCoy, man, has gotten a ton I mean just a ton of work over the last three or four seasons, and that makes me worried. He's not necessarily the most durable dude in the whole world, as we saw last year. Um, I think Mike Gillisley's a super solid handcuff um, and a very interesting sleeper at that. McCoy is closing in on 2,000 touches since 2009. Yeah, yeah, That's a lot. That's a crazy amount of work, guys. I mean, seriously. Uh, I'm looking at their. I'm looking at the Our Lads uh, depth chart for the Buffalo Bills. It's LaShawn McCoy, Mike Gillisley. Uh, they still got Jonathan Williams in there, but, you know, big question mark. Uh, James Wilder, who I really, really like out of Florida State, and they got Boom Heron there as well. That's a good deep dive. Boom Heron. <clears throat> He's lurking around. Yeah. I think James Wilder, you're right, is a, is a very interesting deep dive name. But, man, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I like the explosive ability that Mike Gillisley has for sure. Um, our buddy 14-team uh, mocker okay. on uh, Twitter, he writes for Rotoviz. Yep. Uh, he actually wrote an article uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, talking kind of talking down Carlos Williams because everyone's so so high on him and uh, well he came in just super overweight right right this was yeah this was um, maybe before that news came out okay but he was talking about Mike Gillisley and everyone talks about how efficient Carlos Williams was last year with his nine touchdowns or whatever right limited times Gillisley was actually more efficient um, <laughs> in terms of uh, rushing fantasy points per attempt so all right yeah he had a couple long uh touchdown runs which is funny because his athletic profile is kind of meh yeah uh, he was a, he's just <laughs> kind of a guy oh for sure and it was at the end of the year when when Florida. fantasy people weren't really paying that much attention anymore and stuff like that so uh this is definitely a running back situation that we're gonna have to keep a really really close eye on at training camp 100 percent. yeah i think i think it'll be very telling to see who gets um you know what kind of work there and and again too how much work is LaShawn McCoy going to get, really, honestly? Uh, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if he gets no work at all because of, again, because of the workload that we talked about um, coming into this season. Gosh, he's gotten so much work. that It really does concern me um, a bit for LaShawn McCoy. And, and again, I, I think you're going to have to handcuff him with, with Gillisley. Um deep in your draft. All right, we'll go to Pittsburgh. Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams are expected to... I guess be a two back approach there in Pittsburgh. The the thing they talked about was uh, I think Roethlisberger had the quote that potentially in hurry up situations or you know um, in third down plays and two minute drills they could actually have both backs out on the offense because right. they're dynamic and they have different skill sets with Bell you know basically operating as a receiver too and D'Angelo Williams being a strong back who can catch passes out of the backfield. So it's it doesn't seem like they're going to do this all the time, and I know Harmon was digging up some stats before the pod that, that kind of supports that. But it is interesting to note that they're already talking about working D'Angelo Williams in more, although granted it's with Lev Bell on the field. Right. But knowing his injury history, as we've discussed in the pod in the past, it might be a little cause for concern. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams uh, were on the field last year for just six snaps. Together. Six snaps yeah, together. Like, if they if – they even alternated their backs, it would be 
way out of the norm for the Pittsburgh offense. Yeah. In 2014, Bell played 83% of the team snaps. That's insane. Guys like Jamal Charles played 64%. Marshawn Lynch, 66%. And those guys are bell cow, bell cow workhorse guys. Right. The lowest snap percentage for any Pittsburgh starting back last year was D'Angelo Williams with 85%, and either Bell or Williams went over 90% of the team snaps in 11 <laughs> of 16 games. I mean, they're a primarily one-back offense. We even saw in the playoffs after both of those guys were hurt, they just pretty much shoved Fitz Toussaint into that role. You know, like so. And didn't they do Ben Tate like two years ago as well yes, when Left yes. Bell went down? Same same stuff. So it's 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 something like we have to wonder: Are they like? Are, is this just an off-season news thing? Because it's way out of what they've been doing normally. But like Elhar said, it makes a lot of sense because. Their star running back, who the team is, he's in a contract year, right? And like yeah. they clearly would want to invest in a talent like this, but there's a lot of injury concerns, so it might be smart for them to do that. I think there's, I think there's that, I, and I just think they they know that D'Angelo Williams is one of their more talented players. Why not get him out on the field as much as possible? Um, look, they they signed Ladarius Green, which. I think it's great. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are really excited about that. They're going to have to change their offense a little bit to, to really maximize um, the talent that they have yeah. versus the talent that they wish they had. Yeah. They wish they had a three Martavis, wide. Right. Martavis Bryant. They, they, they wish they had up. Martavis Bryant, but they don't have him. Right now what they got is Marcus Wheaton and DHB. DHB. And Sammy Coates. Sammy Coates, yeah. Oh. One of those two guys, either Sammy Coates or DHB, is gonna be like is gonna fall backwards into like a Ted Ginn sort of season last God. year where they just catch a bunch of long <laughs> passes. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at Sammy Coates in like mocks or MFLs oh, or yeah. even Scott Fishbowl and I've just been like I don't no, can't do it. I don't think Sammy Coates is all that good. Uh but I also don't really care because right. he's a like high end athlete on the cheap in a really good offense. It's true. No, that's that's why. Like he didn't put great things on tape. Like he he struggled a lot last year, and I didn't even love his college tape. But no, he's been, oh gosh. But he's one of those guys. Off season narrative has been in the in the facility all the time, learning, working on his craft, staying in shape, yada yada yada. Kinda, so yeah. so here's oh he's an absolute Adonis. But here's the thing. Adonis. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> he, he is a guy that you would think I would love because his combine numbers are out of control, but the guy can't catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, prob- there's a problem there. Uh, but I will say this, though. Um, what we know from the Steelers' offense, right, they, they like to basically go shotgun, spread it out, and, and, and chuck that ball. Yep. Um, can they do that with the three wide receivers they have? I don't know if they can. So here's the thing. Like, from an X's and O's standpoint, this is what we know which is they like to go three wide receivers. But this is what they have. Mm. They've got a, a super athletic tight end that they invested in, and they've got two running backs that are really, really good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ben mentioned that Bell could work as more of a receiver, so it would be yeah. interesting to see if they employ this kind of thing, but Bell That's actually what I'm just saying. goes out to the slot. Yeah. Like Reggie Bush sure. did back in like 2006 with the Saints all the time. He'd just right. line up wide. And they'd, if there's like a mismatch with a linebacker or something, forget about it. I, I mean, yeah. they'd, have just to, burn them. they'd have to revamp their offense a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's is what is very curious to me. Are they going to actually do that to fully utilize their talents? Again, something we're going to have to watch for in training camp. I'm really interested to see uh, what the Steelers are going to do. 
on offense. All right, let's react to the Top 50 show, shall we? Uh, you could go to NFL.com slash Fantasy Top 50. Again, NFL.com slash Fantasy Top 50 for analysis and a link to all the videos to all of the episodes. So each, ep- each episode of the show last week revealed 10 players. That's right. You know, 50 to 41, 40 to 31, so on and so forth. And after each show... I would do a little recap of the guys, why they probably made it on the list, why they were overvalued, why they were undervalued. And then uh, for the last four episodes, we actually did Periscope, like Talking Dead style shows. That's right. If you've seen that with Chris Hardwick, those are all in the articles Ugh. as well. And in the scoffing <laughs> at Chris Hardwick. I hate those talking why? shows or talking bad shows. Uh, listen, <laughs> I don't want to get on a tangent here. I'm not Adam Rank, but I like they're just I don't need to watch a show about a show that I just watched. <laughs> Here, but and, no, and I disagree. I disagree. Let, let me let me ask you this: the great shows, the great shows that you have watched, and the great movies too. The number one thing you do afterwards is you want to talk to a buddy about. It. Yes, so I'll talk to my buddy about him, not listen to some dude on TV who I don't care about. I don't want to hear his opinion. But about that's it. the genius of this show. I understand it's a good concept. I'm just talking about me here. <laughs> You're always talking about you, right? Man. That is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, NFL.com slash fantasy top 50. All right, let's dig right into it. Uh, top 10. Did you guys agree with it? Not agree with it? What would you guys think? Uh, I mean, we talked about this on the Periscope, but I think, and Harmon and I agreed, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, love him. Don't think he should be in the top 10 at this point. I right. don't think he's a first-round pick. I agree with that. Um, the, the volume's probably not going to be there as much. They're going to be a better team. They're not going to be as in negative game scripts. We talked about first eight games last year. The defense gave up like 26 points per game. He saw 14 targets a game. Second half, uh, they gave up 13 points a game. He saw 10 targets a game, much more normal workload. Great player, still going to be an R- a wide receiver one. Don't think he should be in the first round. The reason I would disagree with that, I mean, obviously I like D-Hop. I love D-Hop. Um, the talent level. Yeah. Is the talent level not there? I mean, he is just an un- – he's a phenomenal talent. That's why I'm like, hey, of course he's a top ten guy because, like, you look at the talent level, of he's right there. So, I mean, obviously, I think we all like Hopkins. Yeah. You know, Gelhar was high on him last year. I was high on him last year. I think we all were high on oh, him yeah, last yeah, year. Absolutely. I mean, he's a he's a stud-level wide receiver talent, but there's a lot of stud-level wide receiver talents at the NFL right now. I mean, and Gelhar's right. The volume concerns are real. In the first eight weeks last season, he was a wide receiver two overall from 10 to 17. In the second half, he was wide receiver 12. And I think that's, like, his floor. He's, like, like Alex said, he's going to be a wide receiver one. Yeah. But when they got on their winning script – they were running much more. They were running much more run plays. Right. Uh, they had 3.5 rush plays per drive in the second half of the season, as opposed to 2.6 rush plays per drive in the first half of the season. So they were just much more of a run-heavy, run-center focused, and they did invest in a big-time running back. So I think that there's just no way Hopkins is going to see 190 targets again. They don't want. They don't want to be that kind of offense. He'll still be great, but I just think like there are guys like AJ Green who's got a much, a much better chance to own a bigger percentage of his team's offense on a team that's that just doesn't have the other options that uh, Houston does. Right. Like you said, James, he's an elite-level talent, but I want that elite-level talent in the first round married with the potential for huge locked-in volume, which is the same reason, like, we all love Allen Robinson. I'm not going to draft Allen Robinson in the first round, especially because his red zone volume could take a hit Trade with him. the arrival of Chris Ivory. Right. Uh, yeah, sorry, Harmon. You, you're not going to take A-Rob in the first round either. 
I would take him at the end of the first round if uh, if I because he's my wide receiver five at the start of my second tier. But that second tier is so fat, like it literally goes from five to eleven in in my rankings. Like, and you could tell me that any one of those guys from Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, Des Bryant, Jordy Nelson, DeAndre Hopkins, Alshon Jeffrey, Mike Evans could finish his wide receiver five, and I wouldn't I wouldn't bother right. you. But I'm not I'm not I'm not an objective on this matter, so no. I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> I should probably just shut up. <laughs> Uh, let me run down the uh, the top ten very quickly. So Antonio Brown, Lev Bell, one two, Odell Beckham three, Julio Jones four, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, D Hop seven, Adrian Peterson eight, Ezekiel Elliott nine, Rob Gronkowski ten. I believe that Adrian Peterson's value we're we're seeing I think wide variance because I think in 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 common drafts I think we're seeing him go a lot earlier. Uh, but I think there's age concerns there as well. Plus, for me, I just think the offense isn't dynamic enough uh, to fully utilize that. I think Jarek McKinnon's going to step forward, but whatever. Um, if I get Adrian Peterson at 8-9, I'm through the moon. Yeah. I think I'd be super happy with Adrian Peterson at 8 or 9, which is what I've been seeing um, in, in a lot of 10-team drafts is that good running back talent is falling to you, man. At, at eight or nine and that's kind of the strategy and i know wiz you're all on board with this that if you can get that supreme running back talent go for it because when you if you zig when they zag you know what i'm saying like you, you can actually build a pretty darn good team 100 percent. and actually spoiler alert uh that's exactly what franchise did even in our ppr mock draft which we're going to talk about in just a moment here and i think he had my favorite team in the draft there you go um, but other, the other one I, th- I think is interesting is a lot of people, especially on Twitter and stuff, were reacting, and people are scared of the unknown commodity of Ezekiel Elliott being a rookie and being a top ten pick. Right. But even in a, like a worst case scenario, he's still going to see probably around 270, 280 touches in that offense because even in 2013, before Demarco Murray's huge breakout, when he was a little bit hurt and they rotated in like Joseph Randall and I think Tashar Choice might have still been there. Uh, Murray saw around 270 touches. And then last year with McFadden, when they were splitting carries with Randall early and then he took over, he still saw like 270 touches. And that is an elite NFL running back workload. That w- 274 touches would rank in the top 10 last year. So Elliott, even if they rotate in Morris and even if they you know try to ease him in a little bit, is still going to see a ton of work. And for a guy of his talent level, you can't shy away from that volume, I don't That's think, right. in the first round. Even if you don't believe in the ceiling of of Elliot the floor is so appealing right. just because you mentioned the volume and I mean everybody's favorite punching bag for you don't know how to train like you can't guarantee anything coming from the college to pro level is Trent Richardson at the running back position and even as a rookie when he was still not very good he was the running back seven in PPR and the running back nine in standard and I think that's like that's that floor for Ellington. He's not going to drop below that. Elliot, uh, sorry, Bruce Ellington on the mind. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> All right. Uh, most overranked player in your mind, Wiz? Oh, in the whole list? Wow, throwing it out at me. Uh, I mean, probably. Let me flip back to one of the other things. I think we had. Uh, for one, we had Tyler Eifert too high because this list was compiled before his um before his injury news came out. Right. Um, and then I also think we have um, Thomas Rawls too high. We have him at 23 overall. Oh, yeah. Um, this was also still before – because everybody was a lot more optimistic about Rawls before, like, more information came out because everybody was like, well, maybe he'll be great. It could work out. But I think Rawls, Rawls definitely needs to fall for us. 23 overall is way, way too, too high. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree. I, I think he could even drop into the 40s. 
uh, I think I'd be more comfortable with him in the in that fifth round range, right? Yeah, pretty so. sure Fab's got him in the sixth round in our PPR mock. He did, so. and and, and, I, and that's the funny thing, you know, because he got injured so late in the season, and Fab's was yeah. so gung ho on him. And I was like, bro, he broke an ankle. There was like ligament damage, and it's oh, not a it sprain. It, it wasn't was, a high ankle. He broke an ankle. It was really bad. <laughs> that is not good. Um, so I I wasn't too too high on him uh, going in. But uh, franchise, what do you think? Uh, most overranked, or maybe even most underranked player? I was gonna say Rawls in terms of un- uh, for my overranked at least in terms of underranked. Okay. Um, maybe I feel like people are down on Doug Martin this year, and I understand that you know Charles Sims is gonna be worked in. People are so scared of Doug Martin, are they I, not? Yeah, they are, and everyone's like, oh, well, he's injury-prone. Am I getting the 500-yard Doug Martin or the 1,400-yard Doug right. Martin? And, like, he was, yeah, he was injured. That's why he had 500 yards. Uh, all these running backs have injury risk. There's not one of them without injury risk. Anyone can get injured. That's why it's such a fragile position, and there's a zero running back strategy. Mm-hmm. But I like Doug Martin, like, I like Doug Martin over Devonta Freeman. Doug Martin in our fantasy 17. top 50 was ranked 17, uh, just I mean, ahead of Jordy Nelson, Alshon Jeffrey, and Sammy Watkins. So that puts him like middle seventh, uh, second, second round. round. I'd probably put him like early second round. Um, would you take Jordy Nelson, Alshon Jeffrey, Sammy Watkins before Doug Martin? I think almost. I think what we're seeing in drafts is pretty much everybody's taking those three guys ahead of Doug Martin. Uh, well, he fell in our PPR mock because of the presence of Charles Sims. Right. But I think in the standard mock, it was a toss-up with those guys at the middle to end of the second round, he which is kind of how I feel. Depends on what I get in the first and board. how I'm feeling at that day. All right. Worst exclusion from the list. Completely Anybody? not on the list. Completely not. Just outside of the fantasy top 50. Can, right. I, say my, can I say my most underranked Please. player first? Or uh, overranked, too. Well, my most, give, underranked, give to me my most underranked is Keenan Allen. He's behind a 35 overall. He's behind Demarius Thomas, Amari Cooper. 35 overall is too oh, low. Yeah. Brandon Cooks, Mike Evans, Brandon Marshall, Sammy Watkins, and then there's a lot more after that. But I think you can, you know you can start Get the debating. Point. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Keenan Allen like is is one of the surest bets of the season to me. I think he's going to finish in the top six among wide receivers. He was on pace for that last year. That Chargers offense is going to throw the ball a lot, and he's going to own the large majority share of the targets. And he's just, I mean, he's just a great player. He just thumps teams with those short to intermediate crossing routes. Right. That just fits perfectly with Philip Rivers' skill set. I think we started to all see it all come together last year. And I know people bring up injuries with Allen, right. which I, I kind of get. But at the same time, the injury that ended his season last year Such was, a a, was a freak. Like it was like, Total like a, a kidney injury, right. lacerated kidney. Yeah, which you don't get from like you know normally playing football. Like it just, you know, I mean, it's something that I think you can write off with Allen. I I, I really really like Keenan Allen this year. I think he's painfully underranked. I, th- I I would agree with you. I think the reason he doesn't get the hype though is because he's not a tremendous athlete. Yeah, he's not. But I think he's the. He's kind of the premier example to me. There are a lot of other guys like Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed, other players that I really like that are more of that craftsman at the position that that mitigate their limited athleticism. But I think Keenan Allen's like the the top tier example. I would, I mean, he and he and DeAndre Hopkins are actually pretty he's similar like, as athletes. He, I would say he is a. I know, I know, I'm going to get killed for this. He's a better version of Julian Edelman. No, that's you shouldn't get killed for that. That's not. Yeah, that's like, you know how a, Patriots fans. Are. I know, but that's ridiculous. If, if, you can't, <laughs> if you can't tell the difference between 
Julian Edelman and Keenan Allen as a player, then I'm just not very good at watching football. I, yeah. I would say I would say they have a similar skill set, and for me, I, you know, I think Keenan Allen's just a uh, like Julian Edelman 2.0. Can you imagine Keenan Allen? In that Patriots offense? 120 catches. He would kill. Yeah. Which he, he was on pace kill. for last year. He's on pace for 134 last year. They Pretty don't, ridiculous. They don't have, like, that big wide receiver there in New England. Yeah. And they don't really utilize that. They use that, yeah. you know, that that West, that, that very uh, traditional West Coast offense, short passing attack, but whatever. We're getting All on right. track. So, here. yeah, exclusion from the list. I, I said this on our Periscope. The, okay. the two of the worst ones for me are Michael Floyd or John Brown. Like, yeah. those guys need to have at least come in in that back 10 players. Okay. They both had tremendous seasons last year when all three of the Cardinals wide receivers were healthy. They were the two most heavily involved. They're dynamic. They're young. I think Floyd's playing for a contract. I, I would have been happy if either one of them was on this list because they play in an elite offense. They have an elite quarterback, and I'm trying to draft one or both of them on as many fantasy teams as possible this year. Yeah. Um, you're back 10. Ty- this is reverse order. Tyler Eifert. T.Y. Hilton, Emmanuel Sanders, 48, Greg Olson, 47, Doug Baldwin, Jay Ajayi, Jordan Reed, 44, who is my most overranked player, mm. uh, Kelvin Benjamin, Latavius Murray at 42, and Ryan Matthews at 41. Um, You know, I think guys that got left off, John Brown and Michael Floyd are good mentions. You know, I shall I shall speak no ill of John Brown ever. Um, and I think two other guys that are kind of that one, potential 1A, 1B types on their own team, Randall Cobb and Dante Moncrief, I think could have pushed for the top 50, especially over guys like Kelvin Benjamin and uh, Emmanuel Sanders. I think yeah. that I would have both of those guys well ahead, especially Cobb, man. I think there's almost no way he doesn't get back into the top 15 of wide receivers, and you know maybe that's being aggressive, but top 20 for sure. I would agree with that. I think Eric Decker should be up there too. He had 12 Same touchdowns one. last year. He was he a did. touchdown machine. He did. Uh, I think the quarterback question mark, though, yeah. Yeah. is a little scary. So I think that's what's uh, <clears throat> scaring people off of the Eric Decker and, Brent, and really Brandon Marshall. Um, I, yeah, maybe Brandon Marshall is my over, most overranked guy. I just He's going to see a huge regression this year, I th- regardless of whether or not Fitz comes back or not, which is, by the way, not looking great uh, as we stand today. All right, PPR mock draft analysis. You can uh, Well, real quick before we get into this, I also wanted to throw because I forgot to do it off the top. Uh, we're going to bring back our fan league. Oh, that's year, right. You guys Sorry remember. No, it's okay. If you guys remember this last year, Marcus and I held a fan league. We had people submit why they should be in it on Twitter to to get in the league. It was very fun. Marcus embarrassed us and did not make the playoffs. I was oh, in the playoffs yikes. but but lost out in there. However, we're going to bring it back this year. We're going to bring back multiple leagues. Marcus and I will do our league again. And Harmon and Franchise will lead a bearded league. You do not have to have a beard. (laughs) It would be preferred if you did, though. Yeah, you don't have to have a beard to partake in it. Hold Um, on now. Hold on. I think you do have to have a beard. No, we don't want to exclude people. No, because then we exclude an entire gender. That would be not not cool. So, no. I mean, unless you are, if you're a bearded, you know, lady, then. That's fine. But how about this? Can you at least take, uh, uh, if you are going to be a, a woman in this league, uh, can you at least like put on one of those fake beards? That 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 could be acceptable. Maybe, that would that would help. Maybe all of the profile pictures on NFL the NFL.com league need to have a beard in it somehow. Ooh, That's ooh. what it is. But anyways, to be included Nailed in it. either of these fan leagues, we're okay. going to open it up right now. You have to like rate and uh, comment on the podcast on iTunes. We're still trying to get some people, more people, to do that. We want to know your feedback. What do you like? What you don't like? If you don't like the beards, maybe they'll shave them. They won't. No, they, won't. Anyway, <laughs> they won't. Anyways, we're going to do two fan leagues. It'll be two 12-team leagues. You'll have two of us from the podcast, Marcus and me in one, Franchise and Harmon in the other. You guys can play against us all season. It'll be fun. 
Start rating uh, and commenting the podcast on iTunes. We'll be we'll read some of the best ones that being get included into the leagues. Being funny, being clever, callbacks on the pod are great as well. So throw those out there. We'll start reading the best ones and filling up these leagues uh, in the next month or so. And we'll probably draft during Fantasy Draft Week, which is going to start, I think, August 22nd. We'll have I'm a lot telling of fun you, stuff then. a profile pic of a beard is going to help you considerably <laughs> get into the bearded league. All right, so anyways, don't okay. want to bear the lead, as you were saying. Uh, PPR Mock Draft Analysis, you can read all about it, nfl.com slash fantasy mock draft. We had 10, 10 teams, full PPR mock draft. Right. Uh, what are your guys' overall takeaways? First of all, can I say this? I cannot stand PPR leagues that don't give full touchdown points to quarterbacks. Why? Because it devalues the quarterback position so much that it's almost pointless to draft a quarterback. But here's the problem with all of these, and this is a we're going to knock it on a tangent on this, but the problem with all of these scoring settings and overemphasizing them is that PPR does not change things that much within the wide receiver position. Rich Rebar wrote a great article on this on Rotoviz. It really the only thing that PPR really changes is the value within the running back position. Those pass catching running backs and therefore workhorse running backs. Yeah, I agree. Get a huge bump in PPR. It's not. It doesn't change things so much within the wide receiver position. Um, outside of real big outliers like Kendall Wright was the subject of that article back in 2013 when he 90 caught catches. like 90 something catches Ridiculous. and scored two touchdowns. That hardly ever happens, but there are guys in the league that do that. And same with six point per touchdowns, they don't necessarily inflate the quarterbacks that much because everybody gets the bump. But I I understand what you're saying. Like it it gets a little complicated. But I just I'm only saying that just to there. It, but the quarterbacks value relative to a wide receiver right. and running back is depressed. I I would argue, though, that the only way you're ever going to fix that, because there are just so many usable quarterbacks. I mean, you can get down to the 23rd spot in your quarterback rankings, and maybe there's a guy like Matt Stafford, and you're like, you know, I can talk myself into Matt Stafford as my starting fantasy quarterback. (laughs) The only way you're ever going to equalize the quarterback position again is to have super flex, like be able to flex quarterbacks. I hear what you're saying. Uh, We are totally getting on tangent. Yeah, and I tried not to. (laughs) (laughs) But but the six points per touchdown for a quarterback, it it values scoring touchdowns like they do for other positions. Right now where it is with four points and a full PPR, it's all about yardage and catches. That's really what it comes down to. It's hard to find the perfect marriage. I like PPR because I think that it it makes the wide receiver position more valuable, and it's the most valuable position in fantasy football right now because there's the most of them, and it's also my hashtag brand. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so there you go. NFL.com slash fantasy mock draft to see a full mock up, a full write up of the mock that we did. Oh, and oh, by the way, you yeah. can sign up to play and mock draft at NFL.com slash fantasy right now as well. I, I stole your segue there, James, no, no, but no. I felt it. So <laughs> good. Uh, so, Harmon, since it is your brand, do you have any tips for those embarking on their first PPR draft? Since some people, you know, we have a lot of casual players on the site that might listen to the pod, might stick to standard leagues. What, uh, what are some tips for, for starting out? Um, I think outside of Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, I don't think you can even really justify a running back in the first round of a PPR league because those are really the only two guys that I have on my first tier of running backs because they're the only ones that catch a a boatload of passes in theory. They're the only ones that have that weekly ceiling. And it's hard to say no to that weekly ceiling of an elite wide receiver one. You know, there's guys like obviously Brown, Beckham, and Jones. But even if A.J. Green hits this year like I expect, if Des Bryant you know, turns back into a red zone monster. Um, you know, you run into an Allen Robinson or a Keenan Allen. It's hard to, to say no to wide receivers early in a PPR league because of that boost. Not 
to the within ceiling. the position, but the ceiling right. of the position. Because because a 10-catch, 120-yard, two-touchdown game is, I mean, ridiculous. And and those and there are very few receivers, as much as, and I know, Alex, you and I have talked about this all offseason, whether uh, at bars or not, um, <laughs> about just the depth of the receiver position and how that middle class is so, so strong right now. Right. It's hard to not at least have one bite at the elite wide receiver apple, and I prefer to take two early in a PPR league, especially. And you want, and you like, you cannot have. I know that like robust running back, and and Alex, you were just talking about this, is is a fancy new like kind of strategy to zig where everybody zags. But in right. a PPR league, especially, you gotta have a wide receiver oh, in that yeah. flex spot because of the weekly ceiling and just. The, the floor is and the safe floor too. too. Yeah, I mean, even, even a five catch, fifty yard game is a, a really, really good floor. Yeah. for your flex position, something that you might may not get. Like just from looking, a back. looking at the just a total uh, off the wall example right now. Like in round nine, rank went Tory Smith, uh, Gelhar went Marvin Jones, I went Sterling Shepard. You went Kenneth Dixon either I before or after that, depending on the turn. Absolutely hated my draft, book. but it's but whatever. But my point is like if you're theoretically flexing that wide receiver there, you're you're gonna be much happier with the floor and ceiling of those three wide receivers than Kenneth Dixon or even Chris Ivory, who Marcus took in the same right. Round. One one thing I think is interesting too. Um, that I was I was noting in this draft as well is that while receptions boost a lot of other of those pass catching backs, they don't exactly bury the other like workhorses that don't catch a ton of passes either. Guys like Jonathan Stewart and Frank Gore actually had really good seasons last year in PPR among running backs. I think Jay Stew was the RB twenty four, and Frank Gore was the RB twelve in PPR because they have such secure workloads yeah. and they have they get goal line work and they can score touchdowns. So while while this format does boost a guy like Theo Riddick, who I think was the RB18 last year. Because what did he have? Like 80 catches. 80 catches? I'm you know, just bananas. That's, that's hard to bank on him getting getting again, but Jay Stewart, Frank Gore pushing for 1,000 yards and seven or eight touchdowns. Like that's that, If you're looking for a, an RB2 late, like I drafted both of them in our PPR mock, I think, and I got them in rounds 8 and 10, respectively. Yeah, because – their workloads are more guaranteed than a guy like Theo Riddick, who you don't who know. Who kind of needs game script to, right. to float his value. And he got good, a lot of good game script with the Lions being horrible for the first half of last season. Uh, going back to that first round, I took Todd Gurley with the eighth overall pick. Uh, Harmon, I want to get your thoughts there. Is Todd Gurley also in that Lev Bell, David Johnson class or just a touch below? You know, I think he is a touch below. I actually have him in my second tier behind guys like Elliott and Lamar Miller. Uh, because I think their reception volume is more guaranteed for sure. And, you know, the tough part about Todd Gurley is like, he's, a, he's a, an all-world talent, no doubt about it. But a it's the same beast. It's the same thing with, like, Adrian Peterson. You know, if he plays in a low-volume offense that isn't going to score a lot of touchdowns because right. of their, their, their just overall team philosophy. And just like Peterson, he's not a dominant pass catcher, or at least – I don't know if the Rams want to use him as one. Like they only targeted him twenty six times, and he caught twenty one of those of those targets, which is a great catch rate. Uh, I think he can catch passes, but they've got that weird infatuation with Benny Cunningham. You know, they used him <laughs> a lot on third downs. Yep. And maybe that's wise to preserve uh, Todd Gurley long term, but I, I just think he's a touch below that those in, two. in PPR formats for sure, and in standard too. I wouldn't. I don't know. Oh yeah. I, I don't know if I'd take Todd Gurley in the first round of a standard league either. Really? What? What? Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't think that he wow. has. I don't think he has the weekly ceiling that I'm, or uh, I don't think he has the weekly like floor and ceiling marriage that I'm looking for from a first round pick. There are definitely ways that I can talk myself into Todd Gurley being like the RB twelve 
uh, as opposed to the RB1, you know? And I think that guys like, again, Bell, we know that there are a lot of concerns, but, you know, and David Johnson too, like, I think their floor is just much more secure from a week-to-week perspective, maybe not even a season-long perspective. Like, there were plenty of weeks where Todd Gurley was disappointing last year. There was a, even a, a long stretch where we were like, man, can we start this guy? And and it's not because he's not good. It's because he plays on an awful Rams offense. <laughs> Rams offense is bad, yeah. Uh, good point. Wiz, uh, any takeaways, thoughts on your team, stuff like that? I was thrilled with the way my team shook out. I jumped on A.J. Green at fifth overall after franchise took Lev Bell. And then, as Harmon said, I, I was waiting that entire second round. I was like, please fall to me, Lamar Miller. Please fall to me, Lamar Miller. Please fall to me. And he did. Because Lamar Miller's a guy that the last couple years has averaged around 55 targets a year. Uh, Bill O'Brien loves to feature his main back. We saw it with Arian Foster, even with Alfred Blue, and at times like Chris Polk and Jonathan Grimes. So I'm all in on Lamar Miller and that offense, and I think he he could even even gone a lot higher in this in this PPR mock draft. Definitely, so I'm surprised him. he didn't. People people overreacted to wanting that wide receiver depth early. Uh, quite that, honestly, that uh, in a PPR format, I'm actually surprised Adrian Peterson went before Lamar Miller. Yeah, it's a little surprising. That would uh, that that to me was a was a big uh, All right. surprise. Should myself. we talk best and worst teams quick here? Or yeah, sure. Favorite and least favorite? Please. Uh, franchise, you want to get us, get us started here? Uh, favorite team? I kind of like um, the way Money's team shaped up. He went and got Danny Woodhead in the fifth round. Like were we, we were, did we just forget about him? <laughs> no, I think I think, no, he's I think still that's there. a fair price. I, I think, li- I think five, round five is a good price for Danny Wood. I, we're not exactly sure. He had a pretty devastating injury too, man. No, that was two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like you know, in terms of having an injury history, is what I'm saying. So yeah. Woodhead's his his RB two. He went and got Rodgers in the fourth round, which is kind of a reach, but whatever. If you like a quarterback early, money always takes a quarterback early. Yeah. And then yeah, I just I just kind of like the way his his early rounds shaped up. All right. Yeah. Harmon. Um, I mean, other than my own, because it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really liked Gelhar's team. Yeah. He took, he took a lot of receivers uh, that I really like this year. He took AJ Green in the first round, which I'm a fan of. Tyler Lockett. I, obviously, he took Ty. God. Nothing was more frustrating because if you watch the Periscope, you know I came in uh, late because my alarm didn't go off. And it was frustrating sitting at home watching uh, Tyler Lockett and Charles Sims go one pick before me. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah, I took Tyler Lockett, ranked took Charles Sims, and then Harmon had to panic and drafted Tyler Eifert in round seven. Which, whatever. I'm okay with that. I don't care. Yeah, it's not not terrible. But you got guys, I mean, you've got. T.Y. Hilton and Demarius Thomas, I, I like I like both where you took those guys, especially Thomas at wide receiver 17 in PPR. I think he's still going to have a pretty safe catch floor. Obviously, yeah, Tyler Lockett. Marvin Jones in the ninth round, that's a swish oh, at wide receiver 41 price. Yeah. And Golden Tate did not go so high in this round. For the record, those wide receiver things on this mock are not 100% accurate because I had I just re-pieced this together. I didn't have time yesterday to go back through it. So Thomas was actually the wide receiver 14, but Jones is in that wide receiver 40 range. Yeah, well, you took him, like I said, you took him in the ninth round, and, and Golden Tate, for some reason, slipped to me in the sixth round of this league, but normally it's he crazy. goes in like the third or fourth round of PPR leagues, and like the price difference between Tate and Jones right now is, is absurd. It's crazy. Yeah. And you even took some nice late flyers, like Vincent Jackson in the 13th round. That's crazy, yeah, right? I can't you know, believe he lasted that long. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if he had another usable season, and, and I'm not the biggest Devin Funch fan but if you're taking him in the 15th round like you did here or the 14th round like I did in our last mock that's totally cool yeah 
I was I was I was very happy with my team shook out, and uh, I, I like yours, Harmon, too. But I want to talk about franchises because he had a different strategy, and I think it still really played out into a into a solid team for him. Because yeah, I like what he did. As we mentioned off the top, I really he like went, what he did, which is weird in a PPR draft. He went running back, running back, running back. He went Lev Bell, Jamal Charles in the second, and then Eddie Lacy in the third. But why I like that so much is because those are all three guys that have an elite workload, and each of them could, wouldn't surprise me if they had over 50 catches this year. Yep. Like Eddie Lacy really improved that part of his game before he got out of shape and injured last year. Jamal, Jamal Charles, we know, just gets pummeled with the with touches in Kansas City. And as we mentioned, Lev Bell's one of the best dual threats in the NFL. And then speaking to that depth of the second wide receiver tier, Harmon, like we, we mentioned earlier, he got Doug Baldwin, Michael Floyd, Kelvin Benjamin, and Deshaun Jackson over the course of the next six rounds, even nabbing a few more uh, running backs in there. So like he's got he's get, he might have to mix and match his wide receivers, but he's got four guys that will put up usable weeks for him, uh, and all could have you know Doug Baldwin was a wide receiver one last year, Michael Floyd was just outside the wide receiver two, all of them have have good ceilings. So I really like the way your team shook out franchise and yeah, getting yeah. Ladarius Green late as well. I'd probably be flexing a running back there, even though it's a PPR league, but I'm cool with that because all these running backs are elite, and then. Uh, well, I don't know. I think you could flex Deshaun Jackson in this yeah. this lineup. Well, de- maybe like depending on the matchup yeah. or whatever. Yeah, well, that's, on a week to week. Like one, that, that's a great receiver core from one to four. Like any of those guys can score within the top ten receiver, receivers on a week to week basis. And fantasy football is a weekly game more right. so than it's a season long game. Yeah, I think the thing with these first like first three round running back teams or robust running back, whatever you want to call it, they have like the highest upside. Of teams, I know Evan Silva was talking about this on a podcast I was listening to yesterday. Like those teams, if they hit, if all those running backs oh, are yeah. healthy and yeah. hit their ceiling, like you're gonna slaughter this league. Yeah. Of course, the trouble with running backs is they're Nobody the most they're, right. they're the most fragile. <laughs> I mean, it, like as as you say, we're looking at it like man, you see the ceiling for Bell, Charles, and Lacey, but they were hurt, hurt, and fat last year. Right. So, but, <laughs> but I got some security with D'Angelo Williams in the twelfth round to yep. handcuff Bell. So, yeah. and you've got Melvin Gordon, big bounce back candidate. Your guy CJ Procise, who at least is the pass catching guy there, and you got Derrick Henry in the thirteenth yeah. round. So, right. it's a good team. It's a, it's a solid team. I like it. Co, I know you hated your team. Oh, my God, I hated my team. <laughs> but walk oh, us through my God. what other team did you like if it wasn't one of the ones we already mentioned. No, no, no. You, you guys all hit it in terms of uh, in terms of the, the teams that I liked. I just absolutely hated my draft because, I mean, look, I, what did I take? I took Carlos Hyde in the fifth round. Why, I don't know why. I, well, you know what happened? Harmon took Dante Moncrief one pick in front of me, yeah. and I freaked out. <laughs> and I completely and utterly freaked out. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And then I, I still must have been reeling from that because in round six, I did what I never do. I ain't taking mid-round quarterbacks. Yep. I like Russell Wilson this year. Don't get me wrong. But in this format, and really even in standard leagues, I just don't like taking a mid-round quarterback. And I took Russell Wilson in round six, and I absolutely regretted it. Um, yeah, man, I just I, I missed out on all the guys that I'm really high on. Right, so I missed out on Dante Moncrief. I missed out on Jeremy Langford. I missed out on um, Marvin Jones, Tyler Lockett. So it, I always feel like a draft for me is a failure if I don't get one of my guys. Yeah. Um, and especially when you're picking in the eight hole, man. Like it's tough. You gotta, you know, on those turnaround picks, you gotta just go and take your guy because you're, you know, there's gonna be so many picks between you pick when you pick again. So I know I'm gonna be reaching for a Marvin Jones or whatever it might be, or maybe even a Tyler Lockett. But who cares? Yeah, uh, you got to do it sometimes. And for me, like I look at Carlos Hyde and I'm like, what am I thinking here? Yeah, what I am I when doing? You make that pick that right yeah. after you're like, why the hell did I? Do that? <laughs> 
I don't. I, yeah. Looking at this, also, I don't think there's any teams that that I think are just awful. But yeah. there, a lot of these other teams, I think, are question marks. And one thing I wanted to point out because we were talking about it earlier with the Tom Brady news off the top. So Fabiano, as we mentioned, was the one that took Tom Brady, and then he backed him up with Eli Manning. But if you look at Fab's roster, his starting setup is solid. He's got Antonio Brown, Mark Ingram, Alshon. So Jeffrey, funny when you look at his team. Dion, it's, it's wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver. It running, is wide receiver, running back. Wide but receiver. so, so it's presumably he's going to start Antonio Brown, Elshon Jeffrey, and Eric Decker, and then uh, Ingram and Deion Lewis as starting running backs. Thomas Rawls is there, might not catch a pass. Jeremy Hill mm-hmm. is not going to get a lot of passing game work either in a PPR league. But then because he had to back up Eli Manning, as we we're talking about, that's another roster spot that he's just burning for four weeks with you know with no ability really or flexibility to pick up another running back. Right, and he drafted two tight ends. Two tight, yeah, hate taking two tight ends. I think this. I think Fab's team is like the classic example of like a fourth place team. Like it's going to get to the playoffs because he's got. I mean, I good love, starters. Like Barnage is a starting starters, tight end yeah. too, but. I love the starters, and like obviously, you know, the draft is only one part of playing fantasy. Like, you got to be smart with trades. You got to be smart with the waiver wire. But to me, I don't really see a great ceiling, especially like round seven, Emmanuel Sanders. Like, that's fine to take him, but when your early picks were so chalky that it makes, it, I I would rather swing for take a bit of a, a swing at defenses there. See, I think the way, but see the way the Fabiana plays, he's the most active dude in all of his leagues. Right. right. So, like Tuesday mornings, he is up and on those waiver wires. Oh my God, he is so crazy on top of the waiver. So, um, like a madman. Um, in in I think he plays in seven leagues, and I would probably I would probably More argue. That, I think I, I would argue that in six of those seven leagues, uh, he is the most active player. Yeah. Uh, in those leagues, and so I think he gets he falls into that right. So like he knows I'm going to be able to work the waiver wire like a madman. Um, in the league that he plays in NFL Fantasy Live, it's not quite that way because he's playing with, you know, five or six other guys who maybe aren't taking the league that seriously, but at least know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think there's, there's like, wisdom and folly in that, being knowing that you're the most active guy and, like, taking too much of an emphasis in that because – you, you, we don't know everything, you know. In <laughs> fact, we don't know a hell of a lot. <laughs> and and like I always, I always hate when people like take like take players in the draft with the idea of like oh, I'm gonna flip them later for I'm gonna flip them later for somebody else. Right. Like, that's a that's like you you're assuming not only that the player is gonna do what you expect, right? But also assuming that you're you're smarter than your league mates. Never a good thing. Like I remember last year when people were like oh I'll take Trey Mason early and then I'll take Todd Gurley and I'll just I'll just trade Trey Mason like to some idiot in my league and I'm like who's so stupid in your right. league <laughs> that they don't know that Trey Mason's gonna lose his job to a guy? Yeah. Who the best him. the best example of that was actually in the fantasy live league last year, Akbar, I think in back-to-back picks, took like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and in the draft, we're like, Akbar, what the hell are you doing? He's like, oh, I'll trade him. Oh, you so can't trade a quarterback all for any year. Akbar would be walking league. through the newsroom like, why didn't you accept my trade? Like, Akbar, I don't want Peyton Manning. Yeah. Listen, Akbar, just because you're bigger, just you're bigger right. than me doesn't mean... He, he kept getting so mad, he would float everybody in the league trade offers and everybody's like, I don't want Peyton Manning. And it was funny too because he Unnecessarily held on to Peyton for yeah, he, so much. Because he kept longer. trying to trade <laughs> him. Because he was trying to flip him. Because he came into the draft saying that. Right. Yeah. And everybody was like, I mean, there were so many other good quarterbacks, but nobody had a need to take a, you know, a kind of a busted up Peyton. It's so even if Peyton Manning had been solid, like 
I wasn't going to trade for him. I had fine quarterbacks in that league. It was so you're right. It's a, it's, it's a fallacy to go into a draft taking somebody like I'm going to trade him. It's a good psychological thing to because I mean, there's just so much psychology that goes into fantasy football. It's really revealing about what kind of person you are. But like that that thing that you do too of like I took this guy in the third round. I got to hang on to him. I got to hang on. I got to trade him when it's like yeah, just cut Manning. Amir, you know, Amir, like, Amir Abdullah last. Oh year. oh yeah. Like you know you invest so much into the player. <laughs> You get, especially when it's a guy that you really like and you right. hype. It's a sleeper that's just sure. not working out. It's like, God, Wendy, you got to know when to let go, and that's a really hard thing to do. I think uh, there, there's also, but there's also the thing too, right? Where like you are so scared of getting burned by that dude later. Oh yeah, and, and oh yeah, that has definitely oh, yeah. happened. Yeah. yeah, where you're like, ah, screw it. You know, what? I'm not going to fall into my own psychology. I'm cutting this guy. Yeah. yeah. And then in weeks 10, 11, 12, you're like, oh, God. It's hard to know when to Idiots. Let it go. That happened to me with David Johnson in my league of record last year. I must have cut him like the week before Chris Johnson went Went down down. or something. And like I needed a running back so bad. And the guy who scooped him, I'm pretty sure, made it to the championship. And I was just like, I held on to you for nine weeks. And now now I finally cut bait. Man, this um, is so stupid. (laughs) All right. Should we hit some of the steals of the draft and then get to daily daps? Oh, sure. Sure. I thought we were doing daily oh, no, let's, now. Let's steal of the draft. Let's do it. Who wants to start? I mean, I took Jeff Janis. Obvious steal. <laughs> steal. Uh, <laughs> round 13. Round 15. Uh, listen, this is a serious take, though. Round 15, I took Sean Drawn. And, you know, he can. he's very likely to be the pass-catching running back for the 49ers. I like his clothes. I'm not sure I like him as a running back. Well, I mean, he might not be good, but Chip Kelly, you know, that was a priority re-signing for him. The 49ers are going to stink. Uh, Dude, are, you re- are you really going to no-sell me on my Sean P. Diddy Combs joke? I mean, that's kind of not cool. Uh, it's, isn't that kind of before my time? Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> I always default. And to, James's Tuesday is ruined. Um, yeah, I always default to if I don't get a joke. <laughs> that's probably uh, it helps, but I, I really, lo- but I do, I do like. I'm, I'm not patting myself on the back here. I sound like a jerk. You but, are, but um, no, I mean, but I think there's reasons that work out. I like Josh Doxton in the 13th round for Marcus. Like he's slipping pretty obsc- obscenely low, and if Jackson's to get I hurt know. again, or Reed gets hurt again, and he could be like the. Pr- I mean, if Reed gets hurt, he's going to be the primary red zone threat. Oh yeah, for that yeah, hundred percent. Um, one for me that I loved actually, Co. I know you weren't a fan of your team, but yep. I don't know what the hell happened in this draft that Kobe Fleener fell to the twelfth round in a I PPR know. league. But right. that's highway robbery for yeah. you scooping him up there, considering uh, a couple of the guys that went ahead of him, uh, like Delaney Walker, and I, I mean I like Barnage and Green. Don't get me wrong, but in a PPR league where Fleener's going to see that type of volume, getting him in the twelfth is just is thievery. That's uh, the only part of my draft that I like. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Uh, I did. I did like my A Rob pick in the second round, but that's okay. But other than that, I absolutely hated my draft. So let's keep going. Uh, franchise steal. Uh, I like Marcus took uh, Marcus took Marcus Wheaton in what is this the eleventh round? Yes, that's crazy. Yeah, he had the turnaround pick. It, it's such. It's very very difficult um, to draft from that position. But I thought he had some really really nice sleepers late. Marcus Wheaton, Paul Perkins, I like. Josh Doxson, I like. Yeah. Like I, I mentioned before, Jarek McKinnon, I think is going to step forward. So. Yeah. Um. So I thought he did a really good job late in his draft. He sort of, you know, he went Gronk number one, like with the tenth pick, and then kind of. Yeah recovered it well after that because that kind of throws you off. I, I tell you what, if I end up 10th in my in my draft anyway, I'm not. I'm just not taking Gronk. Yeah. I just can't I do it. It throws your entire draft off. I was I was definitely on Gronk in the first round the both of the last two years, but this year there's just so much depth at wide receiver, and they're you know, taking a stab at one of those potentially elite running backs like Bell, Johnson, or, or Ing, um, not Ingram, Elliott uh, is too appealing to me. You know who I think is a clear steal? Who? Round nine, Torrey Smith. 
Adam Rank. Steal. It's a good. It's a good choice. It's that's, a good choice. I mean, we yeah. were we were on a podcast last night, Alex. Is that it's a just steal like, or oh, like, absolutely, that's not a steal. That's it's a just, steal. It's He's like, uh, it's the the draft price for you. Yeah. You can no, I disagree. I think. What are you going to take him around seven? That's ridiculous. Yes, I've taken him around seven to several best ball leagues, and like I get. I mean, I get that like that's a different format, but at the same time, if he's your fourth wide receiver or your fifth in this case for rank. That's a swish, man. Like, he's going to lead that team in targets. And, again, they're going to be bad. And uh, Chip Kelly's ex-speed receiver has been money the last couple of years with Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin. And Torrey Smith is a good player. I mean, it's just to me, I think that that's a slam dunk pick. And it's the type of guy that when you put him in the flex in a PPR league, like, if he hits his ceiling in one of those weeks, it's going to be that throat cutter for you. Yeah. All right. No, I, I agree. It's, it, was a, it was a really solid pick. Also, shout out to Money for getting Travis Benjamin in round twelve. He yeah. might not. Oh, I was he, looking at that too. He might not have you know a million catches, but in the weeks when you start him in the right matchup, I know I Harmon's agree. a big fan of him. I, I like that more than his Michael Thomas pick the round before. Yeah, um, yeah, I think Travis Benjamin is going to thrive. Yeah, in San Diego. We talk about Philip Rivers. Um, you know, wanting to throw those underneath. Pa- he does it as body blows so that he could drop that <laughs> long pass in there. Um, and he loves throwing that long pass in San Diego. So I, I think there's going to be some weeks, man. Travis Benjamin's going to have a huge – he's a great best ball candidate, is he not? Oh, yeah, he oh, is. Yeah. He's a huge he bargain. He's the type of guy, too, like when we're starting to think about daily fantasy, like in games where we expect the Chargers to get into shootouts, that's where we're really going to like a guy like Travis Benjamin. All right, let's do daily daps and get out. Extra, extra, read all about it. This is the daily daps and hugs. All right, daily dap time. Uh, Matthew Harmon, can you please give me a daily dap, sir? Uh, Are you ready? You if you're not, I got some stuff. Can you skip me? Okay, James, I will... why don't you start us off? Okay, sure. I well, because I have a list. Uh, I'm going to daily dap jean jackets. Nice. Oh God! <laughs> How tough. Oh yeah! <laughs> I wore uh, proudly a jean jacket that I just purchased this past weekend yesterday. <laughs> I walked in. There's six people in the fantasy stronghold, <laughs> and I got six different jokes about my jean jacket. I didn't know you just bought it. That makes it so much better. Wow. Oh, my God. I was so proud of it. I like to imagine James, like, at the store trying on the jacket. And I don't care if none of this is based on reality. Uh, <laughs> at the store trying on the jacket and be like, Man, this is gonna blow those guys away at work. <laughs> and just Pop walking the collar. in, just, yeah, just walking into just getting slapped. Back. Oh my god, it was so ridiculous. The first, and that was in the the first thirty seconds of walking into the newsroom. Then, as I'm just walking around the NFL media campus, I would say ten of the first ten people I saw <laughs> made jokes oh. about my jean jacket. Yeah, I mean, in your defense, you pulled you pulled it off, James. But it was just it's you look good. You look good. James. It's just such a unique wardrobe piece that people are I going was, to comment about. The it. thing is, I was going to wear it for NFL Now, and then my NFL Now appearance got canceled. Aww. And now I'm just there in a jean jacket. Would have been like, immortalized. Here's here's a way to compare it. Like Harmon, I'm sure could pull off suspenders in like that oh, hipster easy. look. Have, easy. And, have done so. And if but if he wore them in the office, legitimately every person that walked by the stronghold would, would make, make a, a comment. comment. That's yeah. right. Oh yeah. That's, and that's the kind of place we work. Right. This, yeah, that's the problem of like working in like basically a locker room. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you just it's like have it's like in a group message with, with your friends. Like if you say something stupid you, you are you gonna get go blasted. in with your like flame resistant <laughs> suit anytime you hop into like a group message. Uh, I will also daily dap uh, a Twitter follower 
wrestler by the name of At Pickin' Wedgies. Wedgies. Uh, his profile. <laughs> what? His at profile. Pickin at Pickin' Wedgies. His profile is this. I keep a second pair of shoes at work so people don't recognize me when I'm pooping. Wow. That is strong. That's next level. <laughs> that is premeditated. That is strong. Yeah. I like that. Uh, daily daps to the, to the Twitter followers who say my laugh is terrible. Oh, boo to them. Ah, oh, come on. Which is really funny to me. Uh, and finally, <laughs> uh, uh, daily tap to the, uh, what, what, is, what is it? That I laugh too loud. That's the problem, apparently. I think that it just yeah. catches them off guard sometimes. Maybe and it, and it, it comes it comes in hot on the mic. So. Oh my God, does it ever? Well, I get it. it, it I, I mean, it, it happens to a lot of people. But yours yours definitely comes through because I see the I see the audio board over here spike when you <laughs> laugh, and sometimes I can try to sense it. And I'm like, oh, James is gonna laugh, and I, I <laughs> pull it down a little bit. But otherwise, Fair otherwise, enough. I just have to let it ride. Fair enough. Uh, and then this other one from uh, Tyler Gunther at uh, Tyler underscore NFL. Oh, yeah, I know him. Uh, he says, if there was one host, I could Little Mermaid and have his voice when I host, it's James Coe. So apparently I have a nice voice and a horrendous laugh. Hey, you can't, you can't win them all, James. You know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. Those are my daily daps. Beautiful. Franchise. All right, my daily daps is going to a uh, game that I played this weekend with my family. Okay. Uh, it's called Pass the Pigs. <laughs> Pass the Pigs. Yes. And basically it's dice. You You're rolling dice, but the dice aren't actual cubes of dice they're little pig figurines okay and they have like dots on them and depending on how the pigs land you get certain amount of points and it's like first player to to 100 points or whatever wins but it's so much fun because you're rolling pigs and the way they land there's different names for them like if they land on all four feet it's called a trotter if they land like <laughs> on their nose with their butt in the air it's called a, this a, is, a snouter franchise was talking to us about this before the podcast and Harmon was like what the hell and i was like yeah i've played this game yeah. I it's like an, it's like an all-time cabin game yeah like if your family is or somebody a has a midwest thing is what what's, no what's going no, it's on? i don't know it's pretty old school but it's been it, around for yeah. a while it's, yeah, it's the, before my time it's the kind uh, of game a family had in probably like the 70s or something yeah. and then just stuck in their cabin or like if it's Got rented it. out it's oh, that yeah. kind of game but like, Got it. like well, an when, old school when... backgammon chest or like Got the old it. school life kind of thing it's one of those that you always find in a cabin and it's well, fun well when dad chies and his uh, his family dad was chies. was crossing the great the cro- crossing the great plains during the <laughs> during the pioneer days i guess they played that's that. right we used to carve the pigs out of wood <laughs> <laughs> But no, me and my, we, I was, I was, I was at a beach house in Monterey with my dad, and we were like at Target trying to find a game. We wanted like a card game or something, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, pass the pigs!" And it was ten bucks. My dad used to play it when I was a kid, and so we brought it home. It was a huge hit. Everyone loves it. Oh my! There's God. so many jokes to be had about rolling pigs on a table. So that is fabulous. Oh, I, pass was, the pigs. I was worried for a second that we were gonna have to edit that out. I really was. I, I wasn't sure where we we're going. Pass the pigs. This could be. This could be dangerous. <laughs> no, this is I'm nice. Not sure. Made out of pigs. I okay, and then it ended up being. It's, family a, it's a family. It's game. a lot of fun. That's clearly that was invented in the 1800s. Alex Killar, yeah. Whiskey from Wisconsin. Oh man, it, uh, it beats I, Pokemon Go. That's for sure. Oh, does geez. it? We don't need to get on that again. Oh, does it though? For I'd like days? to anti-daps Pokemon Go. Okay. <laughs> 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 I'm with you though. I've I pretty much quit though. Uh, yeah. Okay, so my daps quick. Okay. If I didn't do it last podcast, I forget the the latest trade of. Saga, a comic book series Marcus Grant and I are reading, came out. It was phenomenal. I can't recommend it highly enough. If you're into sci-fi or fantasy or just good storytelling, go find Saga at a local bookstore or comic book store. It's amazing. Uh, Daily Daps to Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. It's her show that she's doing on TBS. She was a former Daily Show correspondent. I had been meaning to watch it, forgot to DVR it, heard a lot of great things. So I was finally like, all right, I got to get on this. So I just DVR'd it and I've watched probably... 
four or five episodes, and she's just got a great perspective on things and a great presence, and uh, she's really doing a kick-ass job over there. So uh, daily deaths to her. And uh, yesterday was the 30th anniversary of the release of Aliens, one of my all-time favorite movies. So daily deaths to James Cameron and all involved with that. I love that movie. It's such a good movie. I love Harmon, have you ever seen Aliens? I've seen bits and pieces of it. <sighs> we'll add that one to the top that's of the list. That's a no. That's a no. No, it means I've seen bits and pieces of oh, it. Oh, that's a no. That's, that movie's got so many great action movie quotes, though. I've seen bits. No, it literally means I've seen have, parts of it. Have you yeah, seen the, no. the scene where the alien comes out of the abdomen? Yeah. That's in the first And I saw the, I saw the better version, uh, the parody one in Spaceballs. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a better version. Yeah. That's right. And he does a little <sighs> dance. <laughs> All right. Harmon. Daily Daps, we get out of here. Is anybody still listening to this podcast? Probably not. <laughs> if, if anybody made it all the way through to my Daily Daps, please tweet me and let me know. Um, he needs that validation. He really. Well, does. no, I'm just, I'm just actually really curious if and anybody's. You put wonder up with where this. Charlie gets that constant need for validation and attention when you're I asking listeners to tweet you. I don't hurt your Daily Daps. I don't wonder. Uh, where <laughs> from, no, I'm just curious. Like after all this laughing, if somebody's like, I'm done. There's with no this. way. No, nobody's no listening way. anymore. Yeah. But uh, so my Daily Dap, um, you know, obviously I traveled a lot. This this off season, we drove across the country, listened to a lot of podcasts. One of my favorite ones that I started listening to was an NPR podcast called Invisibilia. It's about the hidden forces that, uh, or maybe that's the, the one, hidden brain. Never mind. Uh, no, but it's like a, it's like a psychological podcast that social sciences and everything like that. I can't remember the exact description of it, but one of the great ones was a, it's a more recent one that I listened to once I got back. It's called the Personality Myth. It talks about. Um, how our personalities are not set in stone and how we can change. And we, we view people, like, even when we get married, like, not we, but when people make that mistake, uh, they uh, they go and they, like, kind of think, you know, my, my spouse is, like, going to be this person forever, but just talks about how people change and, and like, oh, yeah. you know, criminals and things like that, um, you know, redemption and all these sort of things. So it was a really, it's a really interesting podcast and just something, like, if you want to listen to a show that's not about football, it's a really interesting one. And, I, I you know, so... All right, there you nice, go. Nice. Uh, that is our podcast for today. For the Whiskey from Wisconsin, Matthew Harmon and the Beard of Fantasy, Matthew Franchise. I'm James Cope. See ya. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places.